Welcome to episode 31 of Ours is the Fury. We're a full house today. Say hello, Kendra. Hi. Ryan. Hey. And Blocksmith. Hey. Um, yeah, and the NASL season still hasn't started, but we've had a couple preseason matches so far. Uh, one of them, which was close to Ottawa against the Rochester Rhinos. Another one against Toronto FC 2. The sequel. <laughs> which was in Toronto and... Uh, We'll have Namuan, one of our most dedicated listeners, who went to the game. He's also very good at uh, soccer analytics, analytics, and he um, always writes match reports and previews and stuff over at his blog, which is OFFC Review. Um, he also writes for CanadianSoccerNews.com. That believe. is correct, yeah. So he's actually not just any old listener, but a very knowledgeable listener that can give us a lot of insight on the team. And uh, he's a huge Ottawa Fury fan, even though he lives over there in Toronto. And uh, we're going to have him on now. Uh, now we have uh, Namu Yoon with us. He's a writer for uh, Canadian Soccer News. He was at the TFC 2 versus Ottawa Fury FC game. Hi, Namu. Welcome to Ours is the Fury. Hey, Ryan. How are you doing? Hey, doing good. Thanks for uh, taking the time to do this today. Uh, so I appreciate the chat. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. Uh, so you're at the game, the TFC 2 versus Ottawa Fury FC game, which was a closed-door game. Uh, how did you get in? Um, I was um, covering the game uh, on behalf of uh, Canadian Soccer News. Uh, it was a closed-door game um, uh, in Toronto, but um, I guess I'm kind of like the, uh, the one uh, three fan that's out there in Toronto. So uh, I guess it was a great opportunity for myself to... Um, uh, cover the game for all the Ottawa-based uh, fans of the of the club. Oh, great! So, um, what do you remember about the game? Like, who was who was the starting uh, starting players for Ottawa in the first half? Uh, sure. Uh, the starting lineup um, consisted of uh, Pizer uh, and Metz, and it had a back four of um, uh, Mike Randolph at left back. Um, Colin Salvi, Rafael Alves, uh, Ryan Richter to make the back four. Uh, it started with a mid three of um, uh, Ubi, uh, Nicky Patterson, and uh, Richie Wright, I guess. That's right. Oh, you know what? Nicky Patterson has been uh, Patrick Misik, I believe. Oh, Misik, yeah, the, the Canadian who's been playing in Poland. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He was uh, starting uh, the first pass. And then the top three was uh, Paulo Jr. Uh, and Reidman. And uh, Carl Hallow. All right. And uh, yeah, and the, the players that stood out in the first half, um, for me, the, the front three in particular uh, stood up as a unit that looked very fluid and uh, comfortable together, uh, moving the ball between the, the three players, uh, between Howard, uh, Wooderman, and uh, Paul Jr. So that was the first thing that uh, struck me as uh, something that kind of is uh, contrasting from the previous year. You know, um, um, I felt like, um, you know, it was great to see that ball move, movement uh, going back left and right between the front three. Uh, the midfield was solid as usual. Uh, you know, I think uh, Ottawa's strength has always come from its midfield um, last season as well. And then in the back four, um, something that struck to me um, uh, 
particularly um, strong defender was uh, Mike Randall. He made a lot of good um, pass-man tackles, uh, getting himself involved, and um, uh, a physical player. So, um, yep, those are the players that stood out to me. Okay, yeah, it sounds very similar to the Rochester Rhinos match, uh, the starting lineup, and, uh, and the way they moved the ball up in the forward. Like, the top three, they we saw a lot more movement between the forwards and a lot more link-up. Uh, exactly. That's, um, that, you know, that kind of, like, it goes the uh, the echoes that our team had last year as well. We had a lot of great movements of the ball, um, especially among the midfield three. Right. But uh, sometimes you feel like the, the front three, sometimes it felt a little bit isolated at times. Uh, a lot of long balls and such uh, to the center-forward position. Yeah. So to see this uh, uh, yeah, lateral movement of the ball, it was a very encouraging uh, thing to watch. All right, yeah, it sounds, uh, I'm pretty excited for uh, the CR attacking options we have this year, so it's it seems like a big change. I think it'll be the biggest change. So uh, for sure, and the, it, it's great to see that uh, it, uh, it uh, carried over to the next game in uh, the versus Rochester as well. So you can see that uh, I guess they're working on that type of uh, game plan, and that they're able to uh, impose their style um, against both of the UC USL sides. Yeah, that's great to see. Right. Um, so uh, Davies was playing midfield, right, during this game, at some point. Uh, yes, Davies came on uh, as uh, the I think I believe the right center midfield position uh, for the second half. How did he look in the midfield? Like we didn't see him in the midfield last year, really. You know what? That's probably the uh, most uh, fascinating um, uh, positional change or like a, a transformation of a player that we've seen from uh, 2014 to 2015. Right. And uh, I think. Uh, uh, you and myself and other um, three bloggers have been talking about it um, as well, that he's very technical on the ball. Uh, he's a great crosser as well, but his technique uh, has always stood out as something that you could translate to the center midfield as well. And uh, he showed that um, very much uh, in the TFC2 game um, as well. He fit right in in the center mid uh, next to uh, Nicky Patterson. And it's a position that uh, I think uh, he can play He's very versatile. I mean, he played a right back, right mid, and to add a center mid. And was it a defensive mid that he played against uh, against Rochester? Yeah, he played. He, yeah, he did. That's exactly yeah, so, it. Yeah, so that's the two different uh, midfield positions that uh, he can uh, play as well, too. I think his versatility is really valued by uh, Marco Santos. And, um, you know, I, so our midfield, we were worried that uh, it was a bit thin going uh, into preseason. We mm-hmm. seem to have had uh, maybe like five recognized uh, center midfielders. But if we have a Phil Davies playing as a center midfielder this year as well, then we actually have a six center midfielders who are all capable and comfortable with the ball. And um, that's the only good thing for our possession-based team. Uh, so did you notice any uh, difference in style of play or when they made changes with the players between the first half and the second half? Uh, well, you know, as you know, um, they had a... a, a fresh new uh, starting 11 for the second half and the, uh, the uh, I guess you know the players always take a bit of time to um, uh, gel especially when you're playing with um, uh, new players it was you know the first being it being the first preseason game and the uh, us having uh, at least the seven new players um, once Heidemann came on you could definitely see a, a little shift in the uh, the the build up to the play it was a little bit more direct um and the Heinemann, obviously, like um, you can tell that he's very eager to uh, prove himself 
and uh, he's very fit for sure. Like uh, we've been joking about that a lot, but uh, you can definitely tell that he's got a lot more uh, mobile movement than last year. Right. And so he was getting on the end of a lot of those balls, and he was fashioning a lot of chances for himself. Uh, he wasn't able to convert any um, against KFC too, but just the fact that he's creating chances uh, for himself is a very encouraging sign. And um, we did uh, get, uh, get, I guess, our winning goal through uh, a set piece with uh, Matthew Foskini, the, uh, the player who's uh, practicing with the team, uh, getting on the end of a, a loose rebound off the corner kick. Okay. Um, um, you could say, you know, like, you know what, how about the, the defense? Uh, you had a, a new sentiment pairing of a, a, new, a, a returning one, I guess I should say, uh, Mason Chappell and uh, Drew Becky. And uh, when they came on, you know what, it looked a uh, very solid uh, pairing. They synced up with each other, and uh, they shut down the, the TFT2 offense uh, for the uh, entire second half. I think I counted maybe uh, one clear cut chance for the team uh, maybe at the end of the second half. Um, so they were able to close the game um, in the second half, and uh, that was encouraging to see. Oh, that's good. And the final score was uh, 3-2 for the Fury over uh, TFC2. That's right. Yeah, and uh, so hopefully the Fury stay undefeated in the preseason. We'll find out. And, uh, That's right. Yeah. One win and one draw to start the uh, preseason. Yeah. And uh, got that game against uh, FC Montreal coming up. Well, thanks for doing this, Namu. Uh, where can we find your stuff online if we want to read more about the Fury? Uh, yeah, thanks for that. Um, I, write on, uh, Canadian, I write about Fury FC on uh, Canadian Soccer News. Um, you can find uh, my match recaps uh, on CanadianSoccerNews.com. As well, uh, I also have a, a blog on Fury FC as well. And uh, you can find that at uh, OFFCReview.wordpress.com. And uh, I'm active on um, all the, uh, the forums and the social media where we chat Fury FC. So I'm sure that uh, if you uh, enjoy discussing uh, the club, then I'm sure we've had a chance to converse online at some point. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity to do this. So uh, thank you, Ryan, and to the rest of the, uh, the crew. All right. Thank you, Namu. And have safe travels. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Right. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Well, that was great to have Namu on, and another preseason friendly happened uh, between the Ottawa Fury and Rochester Rhinos. How many days ago now? Last Friday? Uh, four days ago, yeah. Yeah, and I actually didn't have the privilege of going to that game because I have a real job, and I can't just go to games at 10.45 in the morning. But... I also have a real job and was not there. <laughs> but Ryan and uh, Blocksmith... <laughs> No, they're also productive members of society in their own way. <laughs> There's lots of people there that yeah. should have been at their real jobs, but they came out. It was good to see a large number of people there for a preseason game. Yeah, and a lot of hooky being played that day. Yeah. So good support for the Fury. Probably better support than most USL teams get in their regular season. So, yeah. Uh, I thought they did well. I was impressed with what I saw. How about you, uh, Blogsman? Uh, like I was saying to John earlier, it was... They were definitely the uh, the more skilled team you could see, but I found they were kind of lacking execution more often than not. Like the effort was there, but they were just kind of missing their passes. And yeah, you know. yeah, there was a lot of fancy footwork in the first twenty minutes. Mm. Uh, Patterson got a good bump to the head right off the start, like right early, like first couple minutes of the game. Yeah, drew some blood. Yeah, there's blood everywhere. Yeah, so he came back and he 
had the uh, bandage around his head. The Drew Becky bandage. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I thought we were a lot stronger up the left this this year uh, from like, the one game I've seen. Uh, the Paulo Jr. was really doing really well up the left, and they had Oliver far out on the right with Heinemann in the middle. Mm. Uh, what did you think of the link up there, the change? I really liked uh, Paulo Jr. I really liked uh, Mike Randolph. Him and Paulo Jr. were playing off each other a lot, a lot, and uh, they were making overlaps. And he seemed uh, Mike Randolph seems like he wants to get up there and he wants to contribute offensively, and he can he has the wheels to get back defensively. Yeah, the left and right backs were both making runs different times of the game, so our attack looks more threatening on both sides. Our last year it only looked really good on the right side. And the left side was very weak, and we, we did a lot of long balls. But they started playing long balls, like, yeah, I don't, in the first half. I did notice that they'd play a long ball wide, and then they'd start playing a long ball towards Tommy, where Tommy's just basically jumping it up and trying to head it on to no one who's going up there. And it wasn't until, you know, later in the game they started playing the possession style that they usually play and kind of dictate the terms of the game. Yeah, when Wiedelman came on in the second half, and uh, we got a lot, we won a lot of corners. They they did really well, and, and there's well, a lot of set well, I'd pieces. What I'd be interested in knowing is how did uh, Tommy Heinemann and Wiedemann do together, like with two strikers? How did that work? Well, Tommy came off at half, and then he came back on again for Ubi, and they played this weird kind of like four-two-four four formation, and uh, it seemed to do really well. Um, do you think it's something we would see in a regular NASL game, both Wiedemann and Heinemann? I think so. I think if you're down or you're trying to tie the game up at the end, of you probably see it. I think it, they would have done a lot better if they had more space. Um, it's a, It was very the width of the field there. It's indoor they played. And it wasn't very wide. And I think that kind of attack would have been amazing on like a full-size field. Would have been a real threat. But they're kind of running out of room there. What about the team speed? Is that improved? Are these newcomers a lot faster than Donatelli and the rest of them? Well, not to throw anyone under the bus, but yeah, the team looks a lot faster. Um, they look a lot, a lot more dangerous, but a lot more composed. Like last year, you had Mayard running down the left side, and and you knew when the ball got to him, it's just going to be turned over. And this year, there was like they'd lose the ball, but they'd win it back in the offensive zone, which we didn't see a lot of last year. Uh, so Phil Davies replaced Richie Ryan, who was out with a minor injury. Um, how did he do in the in that position, kind of like as an anchor in the midfield? Um, I thought he got, kind of got lost, but I'm not trying to throw him under the bus because I thought a lot of the midfielders kind of got lost. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably probably the uh, the uh, the worst position out there. Um, yeah, Mizik, I didn't see a lot from uh, Davies. Uh, Patterson had a pretty good game. He he was running all over the place. But uh, Ubi, I didn't think had a terribly good game. Yeah, they're definitely. It's definitely the preseason. Um, and when you play a team like Rochester, they they have more to prove in that situation. And uh, there are guys playing for spots. Uh, who who was the academy player that came on in the second half that really, really put a lot of pressure on? I believe his name's uh, Muhammad, right? Yeah. Dinogo? He, he had a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. um, there was times where, where you could tell he didn't know the players he's playing with or 
like he'd pass the ball off and he'd totally be out of position or be way ahead of the play. But he had a lot of energy and he showed a lot of promise. If I may, he reminded me of a, of a young Hamza Elias. <laughs> oh, so do you have a new, favorite, <laughs> a new favorite player for the blocks? New Raw Diamond. So overall, the game ended up 1-1. And who scored for the Fury? Carl Hayward. Yeah. Was it a nice goal? Uh, it was kind of a... Uh, <laughs> Gravity? Yeah, it's kind of a loose ball in the box, kind of put it in. Oh, well. But, yeah, a goal's a goal. Counts. Yeah, one thing that Rochester did that kind of worried me is they, they, they had found a weakness in our defense in the middle, and they just kept going at it, the same play. Kept trying to get past the central defenders. So, um... And uh, I guess we should talk about the red card. Yes, the quote-unquote red card. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, Randolph and Trafford were going for the same ball, kind of didn't communicate with one another. They kind of knocked into each other, and the Rochester striker kind of went on that uh, by himself, and DeBellis pretty much had no option but to trip, trip him up. Yeah. Get it the red card, he gets kicked out, but, you know, being preseason... The uh, the Fury didn't go down in ten men and kept at eleven. So is this our this is another Fury first like the first goalie red card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it would be. It's yeah. kind of silly that if they're gonna play eleven against eleven after, they may as well you know allow Debye to continue playing, right? Like why does he have to go off? Uh, it might be a player safety thing, or if you have a guy with a hot temper and enough to give give a card, you probably don't want him back on the pitch. <laughs> Yeah, overall, I'll be, I'd be interested in seeing, like, we have another exhibition game this Friday uh, in Montreal in the Big O against FC Montreal. Is that where they're playing, in the Big O? They're playing inside in the Big O, yeah, to an empty Big O. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is this one closed, too, or could people go to it? It's closed. Um, yeah. It's closed. Media only, kids. Yeah. Well, if you want to go, I'm sure you, you can somehow. And, yeah, that pretty much... Unless I'm forgetting something brings us to the end of the, the preseason friendly talk. Um, so we'll take a break and then we'll, we'll talk some news stuff and then we can preview the uh, game against Carolina Railhawks. You're listening to the Hours is a Fury podcast. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, let's look at some of the news items on the list. Um, Omar Jarun is officially gone. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he signed a contract in India. And yeah. That's not the uh, the Super League in India. That's the the other football there that's been there a lot longer, but isn't as prestigious, I guess. Yeah, you spent some time over there. Is, it, is that the league that's just like a pretty much a cup tournament? No, the Super League is sort of like a cup because it's so so short. It's like two and a half months. The, this league that Jeroen has joined uh, at Bharat FC is like a regular football league that has like a regular season, just like we do. Um, well, we wish him the best. Uh, we certainly liked having him here. And uh, yeah. Makes sense, I guess. We have a lot of center backs in our squad, so... Yeah, someone was saying uh, he wants to be a regular on the Palestinian national team, and if he's a lot closer and more attention in Asia and stuff, it'll be good for him. And if he gets regular playing time, that, you know, keeps him fit and, and on someone's radar for that, so that's good. Uh, another player that uh, used to be uh, with the Ottawa Fury, um, Vinny Dantes, 
uh, signed with the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, which is, I guess, Division Four soccer. Uh, three. Three is the USL. Oh, it's in the USL Pro. Okay, for some reason I thought it's... Uh, um, MPSL? Yeah. Yeah, so Dantas, uh, big man, is going to be in Pittsburgh. They have, they, have a, they have a really big growing fan base there, so I think you'll have a good time there. And you guys in Pittsburgh, you're lucky you get a, an exciting player to watch. Um, then we got some NASL rumors and MLS rumors. There's a lot of smoke and rumblings about Minnesota United pretty much moving to MLS. It's, it's more or less... It's not official yet, but everyone's expecting this to be announced at some point, right? Yeah, there are two kind of competing factions in Minnesota. The, uh, the NASL team and the NFL team. It looks like the NASL team is going to be moving up, which is good for them. And they're going to be playing in an outdoor stadium, which I think is important for uh, the future of North American soccer. For always playing in these NFL stadiums or uh, indoor CFL stadiums like BC Place, I don't think it's really good for the game. For the experience so. and then we have some rumors about maybe Detroit starting an NASL franchise but let's be honest that rumor doesn't have a lot of basis <laughs> yeah that's I think people are just getting excited for it's really no basis at all I, no I think the basis was the NASL followed the Detroit FC Twitter account <laughs> like that's it like no like it would be great addition but Really no it would be there. awesome for us because it's so close too. We could easily go well, there. Well, it's about the same distance as New York, right? Yeah, so. but it would be another team close by. Well, you know, relatively close. Yeah. So that's um, exciting. Then we have the whole mess about no streaming announced yet. What's up with that? We don't even know how we're gonna watch the game yeah. against Carolina. So we're what two weeks away from Carolina? <laughs> yeah, three weeks. Yeah, three weeks away, and we have no idea. Maybe it's really, really good news, and it's like on national television, and they're just waiting this long. TSN 8. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so there's, right now, uh, last year, NESL had a streaming deal, and you pay so much for the year, and uh, you could watch every game. Uh, they weren't always available live, or, or right after, like even sometimes we had to wait a day for one of the Fury games, but it was better than nothing, and right now it looks like we have nothing, so... Uh, I've been checking every day. I've been checking different sites. Um, I noticed the Cosmos have been using live stream a lot lately. I don't know if that's a test run or what's going on there, but has any any team, any market announced how they're they're streaming games, or is this just? Well, some have television deals, right? Like Minnesota, uh, I think, have a TV station. The Cosmos yeah, do anyway. San Antonio's like on ABC. Uh, New York's going to be doing ESPN and Network Sports, I believe mm -hmm. so. Yeah, and there's uh, a few teams, I don't know which ones, that will be broadcasting both their home and away matches this year. But, but I was thinking, like, is, may, is it maybe just Carolina? Because they don't really have that much information on their website either. Like, well, Ottawa hasn't announced anything as well. Like, the games oh, that's true. They'll be on Rogers for the home games, but there's nothing announced for the away games. And talking about the limited information, we, we still don't really know where the PSLQ team is going to play. Yeah, there's a... Uh, there's some, some rumors uh, that they're going to play at Carleton to start off with. And then after the new pitch is put in at Algonquin, because of the Women's World Cup, they're replacing the pitch at Algonquin. They're going to move there. And they might possibly play a couple games at TD Place. 
So it'd be nice if they did the double headers mm. or whatever. But uh, the PLSQ team is going to be playing on the Ontario side of the river for sure. If they do play at Carlton, we should get like all the Stony Monday ride together just for good old times and go there and cause a rocket. Well, yeah, I was, ta I was <laughs> uh, at the Rochester game. I, I had a chance to talk to Darko Buser quickly, and he uh, he was telling us that his brother is uh, a supporter in the, for Red Star Belgrade. He's part of supporters group, and he said it's very very important that the supporters come out and support the PLSQ team and it means a lot to the kids so if anyone's listening you're in a supporters group by town boys Tony Monday Riot uh, it means a lot to these kids if you guys come out and then the, the Cosmos are also creating a lot of um, um, attention because they went to Cuba <laughs> like, no not yet oh are they going to Cuba they're going to Cuba okay for what purpose just on tour like they're, they're playing a friendly match in Cuba yeah. Uh, I believe against the national team. Ooh, so, um, okay. <laughs> they've been playing all over. They went to China. Uh, they played City Fas uh, last week. Where are they located? Don't ask me. Why did you <laughs> ask me that? Well, somebody put this in the notes. <laughs> yeah. um, they lost one nil. Um, and something that I, I truly enjoyed was the abuse. The City Fas fans were just abusing the Cosmos. <laughs> Both physically and verbally. <laughs> so uh, get used to that, Cosmos, because you're coming to Ottawa. But yeah, um, it was really good. They're playing all over. They're you know, representing the league well, playing all, all these different markets around the world. And uh, some really great news came out this week. Uh, one of the supporters of the Ottawa Fury actually signed a contract to play uh, professional soccer. Blocksmith, you can talk more about this. Uh, yeah, Aaron Hooper, who's uh, a Bytown boy, who's also comes to hang out with us SMR folk from time to time. He signed a deal for the NPSL, I believe it's the Indy Fire. Yeah, and, uh, it's, it's really great for him, especially because he was suffering from ASL injury that was pretty serious, and it took him quite a long time to recover to finally get the club. It's great. Yeah, he was playing with Kingston in the CSL before his injury. And he was a very promising player, so it's great to see him back with, yeah. the, with the club. We wish him a lot of luck, and hopefully he can sign with the Fury one day. I'd love to see him. <laughs> We'd be right there behind you. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's move on to some listener questions. Um, let's go with uh, the questions that the listeners ask us first. Um, at Fury Fanatic, once in a while, who are you guys most excited to see play this year, and who do you think has the highest expectations on the squad 2015? And then he defines expectations, and expectations are defined in terms of who you think will do well, but also you think needs to play better to meet expectations. Hmm. Well, well, that's kind of a question we covered last week. Yeah, we kind of said uh, Patterson who's, yeah, who's, has who's, the most to prove. Yeah, the most to prove, but I guess if we can go by who we're most excited by. You expect to do well. There's a lot of pressure on Tommy Heineman. He's super fit, so <laughs> <laughs> at least there's that. Yeah, and, to and Tommy played really well. I thought like uh, he was only offside once against Rochester. <laughs> uh, he stayed on his feet almost all the game. Uh, he was he, he looked threatening. Um, wasn't always in the best position, but uh, the defenders and the guys bring getting the ball to him let him know. So. I, I don't know if, um, yeah, I would say I'm the most excited to see Wiedemann play. just want to know like if he's as good as people say he is, because like, apparently at college level he was crazy good. So maybe uh, 
you can light up the NASL, that would be awesome. I'm really looking forward to seeing like some of the new uh, defensive players, like and seeing different combinations in the back line and see how that goes. Um, so, uh, Falvey, the Irish guy, and Alves, and like who they pair in the middle, and I think that'll be really interesting to see um, this year. So, although it wouldn't have been my answer about a week ago, I'm really excited to see Mike Randolph. Now that I saw him in real life, just kind of see how he can uh, operate down the left wing moving forward into the offense is uh, really exciting for a team that's probably kind of lacking in the offensive side of the ball. And uh, Alex Schieferdecker, who is at the Chief on Twitter, he wants to know what are the off-season goals for the Fury this season and how is the marketing going? Well, this isn't really a question we can answer. We don't really know what the Fury's off-season goals are. Um, Although I wouldn't define it as a goal, I think. Staying healthy. Financially? Yeah, I think physically, uh, yeah, losing Tommy at the start of the season kind of hurt. Um, in terms of the marketing, uh, we, we keep on saying that we, there, there isn't much marketing going on that, that we can tell. There's a lot of direct marketing, right? It's like emailing ticket holders of the 67s, Fury and Red Black. So it's a lot of that, but as far as like billboards or radio ads, there's, no, there's none of that. No, because I mean, we're, we're the crowd that, you know, we're paying attention to these things and we're like actively trying to seek out and find these things. They're not in the city. <laughs> They're nowhere to be found. Yeah, they're kind of preaching to the choir right now, like the direct marketing. But yeah, so to answer your question, the marketing hasn't been that visible, but I guess we're, we're super fans and we're pretty obsessed with the team, so I don't know if we'll ever be happy with that, but it doesn't seem that visible. And uh, Martin Burt, who is at MDB6727, that's a pretty creative Twitter handle, um, and who's the first time uh, listener question? Submitter. Submitter. Thank you, Kendra. <laughs> So thanks for that. He wants to know how many points will the Fury get in the spring season. He says 18. That's pretty optimistic. How many games are there in the spring season? Nine? Ten. There's ten this year because we have an extra team. So maximum of 30. Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to go prices right rules, right? <laughs> I'm going to say four wins, four ties, and... Uh, Two losses. Yes. Wow. Wow! Wow, John. John, that's real. That's like that's pretty op optimistic. That's pretty optimistic. That's that would be sixteen points. Yeah, I guess yeah, but that's pretty optimistic. Like four, four, and two. I'm thinking eleven. Wow. <laughs> uh, I think they got some. Uh, they got some tough away games, and if they have the start that they had at the, at the start of the fall season last year, then they're gonna be trouble. Yeah, and I'll go three wins, four losses, two ties. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Huh? Okay, great, so great minds. Same. Yeah. So, yeah, and then the next question is uh, from our friend Phil. Uh, At Doing My Jetpack. And he asks, just how fit is Tommy Heineman? Please provide a contextual list. Fat Ronaldo being a one. Well, Phil, you're making a fatal mistake here. When you provide us with a scale, you can't just give us the lower end of the scale. We also need the higher end of the scale. But you're actually quite lucky because Tommy Heinemann is the high end of the scale. That's how fit he is. A, a perfect 10. <laughs> yeah. I don't think wow. he can, You've seen him, right? Yeah. I, I don't There's think, no body fat on him I don't think. 
I think if he misses a meal, he may may he may be hospitalized. <laughs> Sally Struthers will begin begin campaigning for him. <laughs> if he misses well, he has, a meal, he has too. muscle. No, but he has to be fit. Like that's just not like. But he's just about so starvation. He's just here. so thin. But you know, he, <laughs> soccer players burn a lot of calories every match, so. That's what I mean. If he misses a meal after a match, it might be dangerous. And, He's uh, very fit. I say 10 as well. So, and we also asked a question to our listeners. And the question was, which Fury player are you most excited about seeing on the field in 2015? So, Namu replied, Paul Troninieri. <laughs> I always butcher this guy's name. Paul Troninieri, because if that guy scores a goal, I can see him running into section W and go fully mental. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who's basing that off of, but he does seem like a crazy guy, I guess. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm most excited for uh, Paulo Junior. Um, I've seen what he. I went on about him last week too. I just. I'm very excited to see this player. But uh, so Matthew Hawkins also asked. He also said he's excited to see Oliver. Uh, in the preseason, he, he's shown that he's not an early riser. He needs to be more focused. And, yeah, I don't know. Like, Oliver, I think I think he'll have a very good second year. Yeah, I'm very excited to see Oliver. I think he's probably one of the top players I'm looking forward to seeing if he can improve on what was a very su- successful year last year, even though he missed uh, some time. Uh, he definitely looked really good in the uh, preseason game against uh, Rochester. Yeah, he definitely looks the most comfortable with the ball at his feet. Yeah, and our players. listener Phil also is hoping that Oliver will turn into a real star in the NASL this year. And for the new guys, he's, uh, he says Wiedemann, because we need scoring. And he's, he's also still hopeful that Tommy will deliver. Um, <laughs> and once again, he's mentioning how fit <laughs> Tommy Heinemann is. I think we've, we've, we've stretched that enough now. <laughs> but he wants us to confirm once and for all if he's actually fit. I think we can say he's pretty damn fit. And uh, finally, Fury Fanatic says he's excited to see Wiedemann and Misik, um, saying they're both added a ton. And for the old players, Richter, Patterson, and Tommy, they're fully fit. <laughs> fully fit. <laughs> all fully fit and ready to go for 2015. So, yeah. All right, that brings us to the end of our listener questions. Thanks, guys, for engaging so much for us. We love it, and we'll be right back. This is Richie Ryan, and you're listening to Ours is the Fury. So welcome back, um, and now uh, in the show we have a little treat for you guys. Um, a couple weeks ago I had the pleasure of talking to Carl Haworth, and uh, I asked him a few questions about you know his career and um, how he you know started playing soccer and all that kind of stuff. And so here for your listening pleasure is part of that interview. Um, how do you see, I know you guys just started training, but how do you see yourself developing as a player um, coming off of last season into this season? I'm really excited for the season. Uh, last year was a, was, a, it was a difficult year, but it was, I thought it was, it was still successful mm-hmm. uh, in a way. Um, I was adapting to, to a new, new level of play, which was huge. So to, to adapt to, to professional levels, that was, that was one thing. But then um, 
also adapting to sort of a new position. I, I was used to, to playing up front, mm-hmm. like through the middle and forward. Mm-hmm. But um, obviously with with the team that we had, the players, um, Mark found more suitable for me to play out on the wing. So I had played there in the past. Uh, it just wasn't something somewhere that I was necessarily used to. But I was learning every day, and I learned a lot, and I was just looking forward to uh to, to this season and, and what our team can accomplish. Great. Um, two more questions for you. Um, first is, what are your expectations for the team this year? Um, I Definitely an improvement on last year. Um, a big thing for us is we want to do well in, in the Amway mm-hmm. Championship. Obviously, losing out to Edmonton last year, we want the opportunity to uh, to play against an MLS team. So that's a big thing for us. And, um, and, and playoffs is sort of where... Uh, we see our team is definitely capable of, of achieving achieving good things, mm-hmm. and uh, if we just just stick to our game and, and play the way that we know we can, we'll, the results will come. And I can easily see us being in the top four and and then challenging for that top spot. So nice, that's sweet. That yeah. we hope the same. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. How do you see the sport of soccer growing in Canada? Oh, it, it's it's huge. It's been exponential uh, recently, um, and then even seeing that the women's World Cup being here next um, this year, mm-hmm. it's it's massive. The the outreach there that that we see is, I mean, like I said, it's huge. It's it, the growth is exponential. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I started playing, there wasn't the, the talk of you know going away, getting scholarships, and, and getting into like professional teams. But now having five five professional teams in Canada, it's massive for for the youth mm-hmm. in the country to see. It's something they can they can look towards. They can they can have idols. They got teams that, that they support growing up in their own country. Mm-hmm. It's massive massive for the development. So it's only going to get get bigger and, and spread wider across the country. And it's really exciting to see. Um, from from the inside, like being on a Canadian team, seeing the support and, and the fans that we're generating, uh, it's quite special. Thank you, Kendra, for your fantastic interview. And uh, for the rest of it, you can uh, go to stonymoneyride.com and uh, there's more for you there. So keep doing what you're doing, Kendra. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> and that's an order. <laughs> all right, and so let's preview the game uh, against the Carolina Railhawks. First of all, what the fuck is a Railhawk? Does anyone know yet? No, don't Google it. It's a train bird hybrid. It's a bird that goes on the rails. Right. Okay. We'll leave it at that. Um, yeah, so today at work I, I thought to myself, I'm going to prepare myself better than usual for, for the preview and I'm going to find out more about the team. And I realized there really isn't a lot of buzz about the Carolina Railhawks and there, there are no, like, there is really not much going on. Like, what do you guys think? Like, do they, like, do they have like a player that everybody knows, or? Um, yeah, the player that one of the signings I made that was kind of a big deal is they got Nurse from Edmonton, so it might be a player you're familiar with. You've seen a few times last year. Um, I think he'll be. Uh, he was the MVP for Edmonton last, or in 2013, I think, not last year, the year before, and uh, he's an impact player. He'll be. He'll he'll make a difference for the Railhawks. Yeah, their big player is uh, Nacho Novo, 35-year-old striker from our Rangers uh, standout. He uh, 
He only played seven games for him, but he's scored two goals. So he's kind of like their key big signing player. Yeah. And they're a well-managed team. Uh, Colin Clark has done very well with them. And I always talk about this, the U.S. Open Cup, how they always defeat MLS teams. They always make a good run. And I'm sure they're preparing for that again this year. So it's uh, They're not someone to take lightly. They're definitely going to be a very difficult match down there in Cary. Yeah, they're definitely kind of flying under the radar. There's a lot of teams, kind of the preseason polls that are picking the Cosmos, Minnesota United, San Antonio, even Tampa Bay, but there's not a lot of people picking Carolina. Yeah, but I, 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 w I wouldn't be surprised if Carolina sneaks in the fourth spot overall at the end of the season. Looking at their 15-man roster that they have right now, uh, apparently they haven't signed a full, John was saying earlier. But um, yeah, and they keep adding players. So then they they've picked off some of the the Orlando City uh, outcasts because Orlando City moved up to MLS, as we all know. So like, there's a few players there. So there's there's someone to take seriously. Yeah, and they they did pretty well last year. I mean, they just missed out of the playoffs, really. Yeah, they didn't do so well when we played them. Uh, they didn't. They don't do so well in Canada. Like FC Edmonton destroyed them. We beat them four nil, right? Yeah, it's our first yeah, didn't win. FC Edmonton beat them like six one? And yeah. then like never score any goals, but they scored six <laughs> against them. That's so, funny. So when they play up here, I think we drew them the first time we played down there. Or did they win no. two one? I think they crushed us like three or four nothing. Did we lose by three goals last year? Yeah, three yeah. nil. That was the one. That was that the, was the game. one game. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we don't have a good history with them, but um. Should be an exciting match. We're playing the week before against the university side. Yeah, Wake Forest. The Demon Deacons. Yeah. It's kind of a local university team. Just, just to get them ready for the season. Do you think that's enough preparation? Like, I know we're playing FC Montreal this week, and then Syracuse next week, and then Wake Forest. Is that, are we playing the right competition? Like, Carolina played a team from the K-League, Seoul, Eland. Yeah, this is kind of the problem we had last year is it's been it's been improved this year. I mean, we're playing you know, established teams around playing PDL teams, but I think there is a concern for we're playing one game in Carolina before the home the opener, whereas we played I think two or two or three games in Florida last year to kind of get acclimatized to the you know the weather. Yeah, the team seems more together this year though. They seem more like they know each other and they know what's going on. Um, yeah, like Tampa's, Tampa went over to Europe, right? And uh, Cosmos, like we were saying earlier, played CD Fast of El Salvador. And uh, yeah, like everyone's playing like serious competition and we're playing like Wake Forest. But yeah, a little concerned. Well, uh, I know, Ryan, you, you have considered of maybe attending the game. Uh, what, what is the percentage chance that you're actually going to go there? Uh, a 16-hour drive. So um, it anyone wants to help me drive, that'd be good. I got a couple passengers, but don't have any other drivers. So, uh, yeah, I'll probably go. It's Good Friday weekend. It's a good way to start the NASL. Hopefully, hopefully it's uh, on online so everyone in Ottawa can watch. If not, you know, we're <laughs> if not, rely on you completely for yeah, the podcast. I'll, I'll, so uh, if you want to go to the game, get in touch with <laughs> Coxon on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so that's uh, Saturday, April fourth. It's an ASL opening match yeah. day, opening weekend. I predict a 2-2 a draw with Paulo getting a goal and Oliver getting a goal. I think we scrape 
scrape with a, like a one-one draw. I I haven't got a clue. I can't predict. Yeah, I'm just I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> I have no but idea. But yeah, I'm pretty pumped that it's starting up again. Uh, one other thing that I thought we should mention is that we went down to Montreal. Uh, one, how long ago was it? A uh, week or two ago? Two weeks ago. Against Pachuca in, uh, in the Champions League quarterfinal. And uh, we're going down again tomorrow against that Costa Rican team that no one can pronounce. Just call them Liga. Liga. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, that's fun. So hopefully that, you know, obviously we don't support the impact, but we want a Canadian team to do well. So we're hoping best for them that they will go all the way to the final. Yeah, this is the second time a Canadian team has made it to the semifinals of the Champions League. Um, the first time was actually Toronto FC, which I completely forgot about. And it's when they got destroyed by Santos Laguna. They lost 6-1, I believe it was. So, yeah, second time a Canadian team's made it this far. So, they're, whatever, a few wins away from playing Real Madrid <laughs> in the World Cup Cup. So. Can you imagine? It won't be Real Madrid, hopefully, but that's uh, for another podcast. <laughs> European Football Weekly. <laughs> With John Eden. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that pretty much sums it up for this week. Uh, you'll probably hear the next pod after the Carolina game, I'd imagine. Yep. And, uh, you know, you can find us on Twitter, at Ottawa Fury. We have an email address. Kendra, what's our email? I don't remember. <laughs> Right? <laughs> oh, you know, you know what? I have it right here because I just sent you an email. Oh, ours is the Fury Podcast at gmail.com. That's right. And uh, yeah, who's going to say toodles? Toodles. <laughs> Ciao. See ya. Bye.